Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Totally ignoring any possibilities that it might be dangerous. One more fence to jump, and mm. Mark Dodd is clear. And look at this, he's absolutely spot on. Tremendous horse and ride. Woohoo, he's enjoying it. Very impressive test, and he finishes up with 44.2. And he takes it. The champion here at Burley, 1997, his fourth Burley success. Very responsive, very relaxed, listening to everything that he says. Mark Todd, uh, Diamond Red, well, how close is he going to be to the clock this time? And he's home, and he's clear. And now he is turning his hand to training racehorses once again. So, Mark Todd, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Nick. And some, some wonderful memories over such a, a long and, and glittering career. Um, dare I say it, did you, did you have to be prized out of, the, out of the saddle again when you retired for the, I think it was just the second time, or was it the third time? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I first retired in, in um, 2000 and then got sort of, coerced back into it, I guess, a bit uh, in 2008. Um, but uh, the when I retired, um, when was it? 2019, I was well, well ready to stop by then. And uh, you, you've said in the past that the, the adrenaline was something you were finding it very hard to, to get out of your system. How does now training racehorses compare? Is it, is it replicating that buzz sort of? Yeah, well, it does sort of, as you say. Um, you know, there's nothing quite like the buzz you get riding a good horse around a course like Babington or Burley, but the excitement of of, of having a, a good racehorse and, and running running in decent races, which, which I haven't yet over here, but uh, I was fortunate enough to have it a bit in New Zealand when I was training there. Um, it's a different sort of buzz, but it still it still gets the adrenaline going. I just want to go right back to the beginning because one of the things I find most fascinating about you, unlike <clears throat> most international. Um, event riders or you know, international horse people, you had no background in horses at all. And in, in 1984, you were winning an Olympic gold with your first ride there, you know, your horse of a lifetime charisma. How did, how did you go from there to there? Um, well, I, I just grew up with a passion for horses, and, and I was fortunate enough, my grandfather, uh, he had a farm, and, and although he was involved in horses, he had a, he had a farm hack, um, and he was an, his neighbour was a, a well-known New Zealand uh, Christian called Kenny Brown, Kenny and Ann Brown, and um, I ended up borrowing a pony off them from the beginning, and, and that's sort of how it started. And, and um, I was fortunate enough, you know, my family sort of um, were able to sort of help me get going as, as best they could, and um, it just sort of went from there. How young were you when you knew that, that this was what you, you wanted to do? Well, uh, you know, back back then when I first started, it was it was never. Ne I never thought of it as a, as a career. It was a sport. It was a hobby. I actually wanted to be a jockey. I was very small um, until I was about sixteen, and, and um, I used to ride track work um, for for a local trainer. Um, but then I sort of started to grow, and and I guess I could have gone down uh, the the racehorse training route at an earlier stage. But I just loved riding so much that you know I wanted to carry on with a riding career. And that early experience riding track work, did that 
stand you in good stead. I suppose it made you a bit different from your other your other competitors, yeah, didn't um, it? In fact, a lot of the New Zealand event riders have ridden track work at some stage or another. Blythe Tate was another one, and, and Janelle and Tim Price now, they've, they've all ridden racehorses. It gives you a very good um, idea of uh, of speed and, mm. and travelling at speed and becoming comfortable with speed, and uh, which I think... Um, you know, stands you in good stead uh, on the cross-country phase. Because all the people you mentioned are brilliant clock riders, aren't they? I mean, yeah. latterly, Tim and Janelle, but Blythe and yourself before that, just brilliant at riding to the clock. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also in New Zealand, it, get, it gets drummed into you. You know, you, you have to ride each furlong, whether it's 20 seconds of the furlong or 18 or 15. And, you know, if you're riding consistent track work, you have to be able to do that. And uh, so I guess that's a good way of teaching it. Um, did you did you ever deviate during your during your teenage years from from wanting to be around horses and on horses? Was there ever any suggestion of you going off and doing anything else? Um, well, funny enough, I was quite good at athletics, um, but it was never from for me. It was never a choice. You know, I, I just wanted to do horses, and uh, so that's that's the route I took. And you got your your agriculture diploma. Was that? Was that something that you sort of felt you needed to fall back on? Well, I, I was always going to be a farmer. Mm. Um, in fact, I was dairy farming for a while. I started off when I left school. I, I went and worked on a dairy farm, and um, and then eventually I took over my grandfather's farm and was, was uh, milking cows there. Um, but I soon realised that that <laughs> wasn't really where my heart lay, so... I changed changed direction, and and in fact, um, when I did decide to do it, I sold up a herd of cows. I went and bought uh, two yearling fillies um, at the at the sales, and one of them was no good, and the other one was a, a very good race mare called Sounds Like Fun, and this was in the in the eighties, um, and uh, she was with a trainer called Jim Gibbs, and she was one of the top mares of of her of her era. So you were getting a huge thrill from your involvement in racing, even even all the way back then. Yeah, and, and so much so that um, um, my wife and I got married in, in 19, uh, 1986, and um, she was running. She was due to run in the Oaks then, and it was a do we go on do we go to, on honeymoon <laughs> to the Maldives or do we stay and watch the Oaks and. Um, my wife's never forgiven me that we actually stayed and watched the You Oaks. did stay and watch the <laughs> you're, you're a very lucky man, Mark. <laughs> very lucky man. This was two years after you'd won your first Olympic gold on, on Charisma, and you were still a, a very young guy then in the, uh, the early stage of your career. You all, I always make, it amuses me. It all, you always make it sound as though things just kind of happened. Uh, but the amount of work required to get yourself and, a, and an equine athlete to an Olympic Games on another continent and to win gold, that shouldn't be underestimated, should it? Well, I guess, but I mean, it's um, in some ways, I guess I'm, I, I am a good planner. In other ways, things just do seem to happen. And, and you know, I think you, you set a goal and then, then you set a, a path towards achieving that goal. And, and I guess that's what I did do. And I've never been afraid to work hard to, to get there. And, and uh, because, you know, working with horses, it, it doesn't always seem like it's hard work um, because it's, you know, it's what you love doing. So tell me a little bit about um, Charisma for those who, who aren't old enough to remember or, or didn't have an interest in, in eventing in, in those days. He was, a, well, he was a legend, really. He was. He was an amazing little horse. He was, he was actually 15 16th thoroughbred, and, and the other 16th was French draft horse, Percheron. So where that came from in New Zealand, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but he was only 15'3", and he was, he was a 
fantastic looking little horse. He was incredibly sound, he was a great athlete, and he just loved, loved the job. And I guess, you know, his, his two strengths were the, the dressage phase. He was very good in the dressage phase, and he was brilliant cross country. Um, even at the age of 16, when, he went, uh, when we won our second gold medal, um, he had the fastest time around the, the cross-country um, endurance phase and, and the vet said he had the best recovery rate of, of all the horses there that day. So. Amazing. Absolutely amazing horse and, and he won two, two Olympic goals. And the second one was almost, almost I'm not going to say a cakewalk, but it was almost easier than the first one. It was, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he led the dressage and then um, I think we ended up winning... We always used to have to have to have a pole in hand going into the show jumping because you used to like jumping by braille and, and, and occasionally you got it wrong and it'd have one down and um, I think we ended up, we went into the show jumping phase with three rails in hand uh, which was a fairly comforting thought um, going into that final day and I think he had one down so, but still one. You say he was a sort of 15, 16 thoroughbred, did you say? So yeah. almost a, a complete thoroughbred. Yeah. And you had great success on thoroughbreds through most of the sort of first phase yeah. of your, your eventing career. What can they do for you that other horses can't? Well, I just love their minds. You know, they're, they're, they were great. And in those days, when you had the long format three-day, when you had the, the roads and tracks and the steeplechase, um, <clears throat> they, had this, they had the stamina to, to do it. And the, and the warm bloods used to struggle. Um, and, and going around the cross country, you know, you never really got out of third gear. Um, and, and their poor old warm buds, you know, they, they were at full throttle the whole way and, and, and quite often didn't quite, you know, they, they couldn't go that fast for that long. You know, the, back in those days, the cross countries used to be 12 or 13 minutes and um, you really had to have something with an engine. After you have a horse like that who you've described as a, as a horse of a lifetime, how hard is it then to to adapt, to try and find new horses, to, 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 to bring on youngsters. How hard did you find that at the sort of back of the 80s, early 90s? For, for eventing? Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> I, we used to buy a lot of horses out in New Zealand. We, we used to, I don't know, we looked all over the place. There was, um, you know, Ireland produced a lot of very good event horses back then, the, the, you know, the, the classic 7 8 thoroughbred with a bit of Irish draft, and, and they were excellent as well. Um, what would you say was your your single greatest achievement as a as an event rider? For doing it so long, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and why? <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think one, one of, obviously the two gold medals were were amazing with with charisma. But I think one of the things that um, made me most proud was coming back after after eight years off. Um, with a horse that Sir Peter Vella um, purchased for me, a horse called Land, Vi Land Vision, and and going back to Badminton um, and and winning that in 2011, um, which I don't know how many years after I after my first win, and uh, you know everybody thought that you know because I'd had eight years off, it was going the sport had moved on, it was going to be very difficult for me to be competitive. So to, to go there and, and win that was, I felt, was a, you know, a huge achievement. Yeah, 80, I think, was your first badminton. So 31 yeah. years, yeah. and the 15 years since, since the previous one. Yeah. And that, that must have been a, an amazing day. And to what extent did you really feel the, the warmth of the whole, the whole equestrian community? Um, well, I mean, it is a wonderful community, you know, especially in, in eventing. Um, and... 
It was great. It was great to be welcomed back with open arms, and and um, I can re I can remember like my good mate Lucinda Lucinda Green. Um, you know, she was. We were obviously talked about coming back, and and all the rest of us, and 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 she was at the arena as I walked out of the show, jumping, and I just went, you know, how did that happen? <laughs> and uh, so it was. The reception was tremendous. And there was talk, wasn't there, after after sort of sixteen, that you might kick on even even longer, and you decided to to, to call it a day. Why why ultimately did you decide not to not to press on to? Oh, it would have been it would have been this year's Olympics. It would I have suppose, been this year's Olympics. Yeah, um, I'd been cutting down on numbers, and and although I had a couple of horses that uh, I did have a couple of horses that were real could have been real chances and one of them was a little horse called McLaren that, that reminded me an awful lot of charisma um, and he's now gone to Janelle Price um, who's probably a much better fit for him because he was even smaller than charisma um, but uh, you know it's the motivation as much as anything you know you can't compete at that top level if you're not putting a hundred percent in and I didn't feel I was putting a hundred percent in um, I wasn't getting any younger and then I had this sort of out of the blue proposal from Sir Peter Vella, um, who had um, bought Eminent outright. Mm. And initially he came to me, and Peter sent him to me and said, You know, would you just look after him? He's coming back to New Zealand um, to go to stud. Um, so I, I had Eminent, we had Eminent at our place. And um, the next thing he sort of rings up and says, Well, you know, why don't you take him to Australia? We, we think we might race in there. Why don't you take him there and, and we'll give him a couple of runs in Group 1 races? And <laughs> it was, you know, never one to shirk a challenge. It took me a wee while to think about it, but um, then we sort of said, oh, well, we'll have a go. But then the logistics of, of, of that happening started to kick in. You know, I didn't have a licence. Yeah. I had to get a licence. Um, Luckily, it was just within the 10-year um, time limit of when I'd previously held a license, which enabled me to take a few shortcuts. Um, but the, um, the BHA were very good over here in, in helping me push it through. And, and it literally, um, the horse had to be nominated for the Ramvet Stakes in Australia and by a certain day. And a trainer had to have a license to be able to nominate it and, and it came down to about two days. I had two days. My license came through and we were able to nominate the horse um, for the race. And he finished second, didn't he? He finished second in that race. So it's yeah. a good start. It was a good decent start. Decent start to a it training career. when you have a very good horse. Yeah. <laughs> and so from there, was it, did it just feel right? I mean, I, knew, I know you trained a bit before in the kind of, in that interim period between the, the, the eventing careers, but did it just feel like the right move? It, it it did, and you know, like I say, you know, I'd, I'd trained in New Zealand, and we'd had a reasonable amount of success there. Um, but you know, in, England or Britain is is to me it has always been the home of of racing, if you like, much like it's the home of eventing. Um, you know, people in other countries probably disagree, but I mean, you have such a wonderful history of racing over here and and, and everything, and and I just thought, you know, it'd be wonderful to. And, a, and, you know, another challenge to see if I can, um, you know, train some winners here. You like giving yourself stern challenges, don't you? Getting <laughs> getting to the 84 Olympics, yeah. making the comeback you described as a bit of a dare, 
I mean, this is a this is a, a big challenge still. I, I'm, I'm interested in how you feel as someone who's achieved so much and has been right at the pinnacle of your sport, having to almost work your way up through the well, ranks I am, again. You know, I'm, I'm starting at the bottom again. You know, um, you know my previous life, it's all history now, isn't it? It's, you can almost say it was last century. <laughs> um, and, and, and as, you know, people say, you know, um, you know you've, you've got to look forward, you've got to have, you've got to have plans and, and keep moving forward. And, and horses I love doing, and, and um, this is a new challenge. I've been very fortunate that um, Sir Peter Vella, um, you know, has backed me with horses. And, and then other contacts that we've had through eventing for years, like um, Madeline Lloyd Webber. Um, I've known Madeline forever. In fact, um, I used to, used to teach her years and years ago, um, and, I, and I rode a horse for her at Badminton when she was having her first child. Um, Lady Bamford and Sir Anthony Bamford, um, we were actually, we lived on their estate for a while and I rode an event horse for them and they've, they've sent me a horse. And so those, those connections we've had for a long time um, and obviously, you know, they're, they're very big into racing and so uh, it's um, having those sort of people um, being able to get behind you has been a big bonus. And, and these big race, racing yards now are a lot about systems and efficiency and routine. Do you still believe that you can bring your supreme skills as a as a horse person to the to the art of training a, a racehorse? Is there still an art to it? I, I think I think the, there's an art in horsemanship, and I think that's where you know I have I have an awful lot of experience about you know ha- having horses being very well and and ready to perform at their best. After that, I think training racehorses is about having a system and within that system and finding a system that works for a start and then within that system allowing for each individual to to fine-tune it so that you can get the best out of that horse. And I'd be the first to admit that in, you know it's taken me a year or two to work out the gallops. We've had to um, redo the gallops and how we use the gallops. Um, but I started with a you know a, a bunch of yearlings and two year olds and and a lot of them needed a bit of time and and I think we're only just starting to see the the fruition of of that patience with them. Are you enjoying it? I'm enjoying it now. We're having a few winners. Yeah, it was fairly <laughs> frustrating there for a while. See, that's the that's the thing that that immediately struck me about you. You're not you're not in this to play around, are you? No, I mean, why would you be? I mean, it's it's not a game. You just just play for fun. It's and and I'm I'm a super competitive person, mm. as as my wife and family will tell you. Um, and you know, it's it's um, I don't mean it in a in a in a crass sort of way, but winning is everything, really, and and certainly in racing. Um, and well, even in eventing, you know, everybody remembers the winner. Nobody remembers who finished second, and and that's what it's all about. But the one thing that, that you have always been able to do almost instantaneously is to get inside a horse's mindset, it seems. Was that something you always enjoyed, getting on a horse for the first time and I think that's, that's one of the skills I have is, is, is being able to understand and read horses a bit. And, and, you know, I think that's so important to, you know, to get the best out of them. You've got to understand their little quirks and their ways. And, and I think because we're a... We're a a small team, you know, we can have that individual attention. Um, and 
hopefully it will pay pay dividends. I was just reminded when you were saying that, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sort of remembering from my my youth watching on. You got on, you got on. Was it Lynn Bevan's horse at the last minute and rode him to win at badminton? Yeah. Was it Porton Point? Yeah. Yeah. And so just just tell the there story. Was, well, there was two horses. Familiar. There was Horton. There was Horton Point. Um, was it sort of mid nineties? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she had, she had, four, had a fall the week before um, and broken a collarbone. And I had another ride on a horse that year, a horse called Justin Ace. And they rang up and said, would you, would you ride Horton Point? Um, and obviously I knew the horse. He was 16 years old. Um, and he'd been around with both um, Roz and Lynn Bevan and, and been a great old campaigner. But he was, a, he was like half Irish draft and he'd never got round inside the time um, but he was very good in all the other phases and and it, so it was an easy one for me you could do it back then you can't do that now they you wouldn't allow you, you to do it take now, chance they? rides no and I was number one to go um, he did a really good dressage I think we were second at the end of the day after the dressage <laughs> and then bless him he he went around the cross country and we were inside the time um, he was actually quite sore um, <laughs> at the end of that. So fast in his life. And yeah, and we very nearly um, didn't um, trot him up for the vet inspection the next day. But then we thought, well, you know, he, we're in the lead. What have we got to lose? So, you know, he, that horse just wanted to do it. He got on the he got on the trot up strip and he absolutely trotted up 100% sound. And then he went and showed jump clear and won it. So. And then I had another ride on Rodney Powell's horse, um, the Irishman, and he had the same, same sort of scenario. He had fallen off the week and injured himself, and unfortunately we had a fence down the show jumping and only finished second that year. But I'd say that's a pretty fair return for two spare rides at the last minute, a win and a second at the yeah. big... <laughs> but it, it's, again, it's, you know, they, were, they were good horses, and, and, you know, and because I'd ridden a lot of horses... Um, you know, I could get on get on these horses and say, well, you know, and just let them be do themselves and, and, and give them the help they needed, and, and they did the job. And are you still riding quite a lot? I still ride, yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's why I do this. And, you know, I love riding, and um, I, I, I love the training of the horses, but I also, I seem to end up getting on all the tricky ones. Yeah, I, I don't want, I, I feel reluctant in saying this, because I don't want suddenly everyone to pick up the phone and send you every, every yeah, basket case that's, yeah, that's yeah, out no, there. Because obviously you're going to offer so much to, to those. But if you, if you get sent a horse that perhaps another trainer hasn't got on so well with, it, would you get on that horse and, give, and, and have a pretty good idea of, of where you want to go with, with him or her? Um, uh, yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, racehorses are very different to event horses. And, and, and I mean, but, I mean, all, all the horses that we have that we started off, you know, the, the first thing we teach them is to be out, that you can actually ride them and, and steer them and they can do basic stuff. Mm. Um, and that makes them more rideable. And, and most of the, the people that have ridden for us say, you know, how... how Generally, not not all. Generally, how how well behaved and 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 rideable they are, so which is good. So it's good to be well behaved and rideable. Now you need them to to run fast. To as run well. fast. Well, yeah. I mean, most most of them can. You know, that's that's what they're bred to do. And and some can run faster than others. And 
if you if you train them correctly, hopefully you can get the best out of them. The good news is that you you do look to have a horse who can run quite fast already in your yard, and that's Tasman Bay, who finished third at uh, at Newbury in a. It's a conditions race, but it is sort of recognised as an early pointer to, 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 to classics and, and whatnot. That's Maximal, the far side in the, in the pink cap, and Tasman Bay's the, the dark bay third from the left in the, in the Sir Peter Vela colours. Were you pretty pleased with this? I was very, I was very pleased with him. You know, he'd, he'd won at, um, at Newcastle at his first start this year over a mile. He's a he's a lovely horse. He's a great big horse by by Lahav out of a Galileo mare, and his second dam was as peeping form. So he's he's bred to stay. Um, I don't think the race was run to suit him. There wasn't a lot of pace early, and then it turned into a bit of a sprint home, which I don't think suited him. And and because he's such a big horse, we haven't put a lot of pressure on him to really get him going yet. I think I think he's probably going to be a better horse in the autumn. Um, we have um, eyes on the derby. Well, he's entered for the derby. Um, I guess the next start, he'll either run at, uh, at uh, Newmarket in the fairway stakes or, or at Newbury in the um, City of London handicap for three-year-olds. And he'll have to do something fairly smart in that to warrant having to go at the derby, I guess. But, you know, as, as we all know, the, der- the derby's looking quite open at the mm. moment. But I suppose Aidan O'Brien can turn up with a maiden or something on derby day and win it. But... Um, is it hard to prepare a horse like him? Who, who I'm guessing he's your best horse. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Is it hard to prepare him if you haven't got horses of comparable ability in the yard? Yeah, we've got nothing that can go with him. So um, we've, um, we, 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 we have to give, give um, his gallop mate a fair head start and, <laughs> and he can sort of try and pick them up, yeah. And is the, is the setup, Mark, do you think it is... It is equipped to expand and grow. Could this become a? But could this become a, a training operation of, of some substance? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to be training two hundred horses. That's for sure, or even a hundred. Um, you know, we've, we've got forty stables. If I could fill those stables, that would be brilliant. And, um, you know, at the at the moment, we've only got probably twelve in work. And and so, you know, we've had six winners this year, which is, you know. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. They've been running well, so um, hopefully we can we can build on that. And if I can get into double figure, figure winners for the for the year, and 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 maybe pick up a decent race with Tasman Bay along the way, and 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 we've got a couple of other nice ones. Um, um, so you know, we'll see. And and just going back to to where you started with that that victory in 2011. At badminton, that comeback victory, and I could, I could see it was a moment that meant so much to you. Is there something you could achieve in this sport that would elicit that same sort of emotional response? Um, well, I think winning, winning, winning a Group One race, and, I, and you know, I'm not going to be picky here. <laughs> Any Group One race would be huge. I, I always had a, I always had a, um, a hankering to have a horse run in the Arc de Triomphe, and. Um, I think you showed a clip of Willie Smith winning the the, the Wellington Cup in, we did, in New Zealand, yeah. and um, we always sort of had a, had a thought that uh, maybe bringing him over to have a crack, but that didn't happen. So, if I had a horse good enough, to, well, I'd love to run in the Derby, obviously. You know, to even have a horse that we're we're even talking Derby is is great. Um, whether whether it happens or not, I don't know, but. Um, you know, one of, one of those big um, prestigious races would be great.
Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Basti Dubai.